Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU football podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Peyton Guthrie, joined by only two more of the co-hosts. Brady is taking time, rolling the dice on the tabletop of his D&D crew on a Tuesday night. Who plays D&D on the Tuesday night? I play on Fridays. This Friday's when I'm playing, but Tuesday, whatever. That sounds insane. Uh, but I'm joined by Matt and Alan. Uh, it's just a triumvirate of the... Uh, the, the the revised keyhole team uh before uh, uh brady came back but uh, we'll have brady back with us next week or on the no cap recap potentially as well uh alan let's jump in it uh immediately what is your favorite D uh race and class <laughs> i have never played D in my life um one night i was actually way back in the day i was camping out for concert tickets one night uh and i was way uh, pretty far up in the line and uh the guy behind me who showed up wanted to play magic the gathering oh um, good lord so that's the closest uh i have uh experience i have to ever playing D D. we played for less than five minutes and uh it, it was it was you know I, I that was my last time playing magic also so alan i want to say this in the nicest way possible that that utterly surprises me to be honest with you <laughs> for some reason i just had you pegged as as a like yeah oh, yeah I, I used to back in the day but uh okay you're you were always cool i get it check uh, i Matt. was like you know talking to girls and playing yeah, sports right. and beer. yeah yeah i was in an automotive class smoking a cigarette <laughs> yeah. home period yeah. uh, i think Matt. i think i missed the uh the D D wave it came more more so in the form of video games for me mm-hmm. where I just got to really dive into my nerdiness. Uh, I've yeah. put in, I don't know how many hours into uh, Skyrim uh, in the day. So that's, that's where I channel my nerdiness into is video games. I have not played D and D though. Yeah. I'm currently playing uh, Baldur's gate three, which is literally based off the mechanics of uh dungeons and dragons fifth edition. Uh, I grew up a Jehovah's witness. So I think maybe playing dungeons and dragons was like this, the devil's game and all that type of stuff. So it had a, a lot of allure, uh, for the rebel. That was a very young Peyton Guthrie. Uh, no one can, no one cares about that. I want to say, we're gonna start talking about OU football before we do that. Thank you, Vanessa house. Thank you, scratch kitchen, kitchen cocktails. And thank you spirit shop for supporting the podcast. Also to all the patrons who are listening. Thank you guys so much. You can also support us on patreoncom slash through the keyhole. Uh, Grayson, if you're listening to this, please get some sleep, man. I, I, I love that you're commenting on stuff, but 3am comments, you got it. Go to sleep. It's going to be fine. We'll be there in the morning. Uh, you can listen to us then. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, but let's start us off hot and heavy. Um, Oklahoma completely destroyed a Tulsa football team uh, on a road that seemed more like a home game. Uh, Alan, you wrote some observations um, for, for the Patreon. What were your general observations of this game? I mean, OU scored when they wanted to, how they wanted to, and what, turned them over five times, I believe. Uh, it seemed like everything went OU's way and was just going to go OU's way. Yeah, I mean, they're really what lot here to uh to chew on i mean you know tulsa is not a good team um you know again you want to see uh ou go out and you know blow through a team like that which is exactly what happened um you know i think that uh you know there's still some questions obviously about the ground game 
Uh, and I don't, uh, I don't know what the answers are at this point. You know, maybe it's just a matter of, of the line needing time to uh, kind of gel a little bit. Um, and I thought that the distribution of carries was strange after Tawi Walker went from uh, 21 rushes against SMU to uh, none <laughs> against the Golden Hurricane. But other than that, uh, you know, this was, oh, you did what you, what you expect and what you want. Yeah, my expectation on the uh, distribution of carries was was that uh, Barnes and Sawchuck were legit hurt, <laughs> you know, to start the season. Yeah. Uh, that they were hiding them on the depth chart to kind of keep them safe. In that this game was the okay, we have one game before conference play starts. We're about to play against uh, Cincinnati, who has a pretty stout defensive line. Uh, we need you at least some sort of uh, heavy, some sort of heavy game action. Um, to, to kind of get everyone run up, uh, up up to speed on that part of it. Matt, what do you think about the Tulsa game? Um, you know, OU pretty much did whatever they wanted. There was like a little mini run when Tulsa switched quarterbacks and they found some success in the uh, the soft zone coverage of Oklahoma. But other than that, they're pretty defenseless uh, to OU's uh, advances. Uh, man, that sounds like a Allen doing a, 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 a economics uh, speech or something. Um uh, <laughs> walk me through uh walk me through the Tulsa game from your perspective uh yeah kind of like you guys I mean they just they did what they were supposed to do against a bad football team again that's that's happened twice now that they didn't do last year right they didn't steamroll teams that they were supposed to steamroll uh they're two for two on teams that they're supposed to absolutely uh demolish and they've done it uh the running game yeah like like Alan said I mean there's there's still question marks there um, but it's, it's good whenever you're throwing for 420 on, on a team, right? Like you can nice. kind of hide, hide some of that stuff for 20 nice blaze it. And, um, so yeah, they, they just, they beat the hell out of Tulsa. They just, they weren't as good as, as OU that plain and simple. Yeah. If you want to be like, if you want to, you know, get into the very, 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 very nitty gritty of the details of stuff, like Alan said, you know, there's some run game stuff that's kind of acting kind of strange. It doesn't, you, you would want to see OU push the ball a little bit harder on the ground to get some more uh, more efficiency from that perspective. And I really look at the offense and thought maybe their this offense didn't seem as efficient as I would like it to be because it was it's kind of living on these longer plays. You know, SMU kind of took that away and the, the uh, OU kind of had to grind it out in a more uh, muddied game from my perspective. And then there's uh, plenty of analytical stats going around today saying, oh, you the number one efficient offense in the nation right now. So, uh, you know, take them as you as you can call them. But sometimes you have to admit that you're wrong. And I'm just seeing stuff that might not be there from that perspective. But uh, if you're trying to get really, really into it, yeah, I would love to see the O-line and the running backs. I mean, beyond Tali Walker, learn how to follow a blocker would be nice. But uh, everyone else, it, it's hard to ask for more out of that. It was cool to see the team do that. It was also really cool to see Danny Stutzman really have that like old school run running back uh, linebacker uh, uh, running style when he was running that pick back in. He had that little like I don't know Hitchens giddy up type of thing as he's trying to go to full speed. So he he looked like an early two thousands OU linebacker um, at, at that point in time. So that's going to carry us for the OU game. If you guys want to have a more in deep, uh, more in depth OU Tulsa recap, then again go to the Patreon with the no cap recap. That's a, was recorded after the game of Matt and Brady. Uh, we're going to talk about some uh, week three college football games uh, wide. Alan, you wanted to talk about Texas Wyoming. Now everyone was just kind of laughing at Texas uh, going into the fourth ten ten. Um, mainly because no one had the chance to actually see the football game. <laughs> so maybe they weren't able to see what Wyoming was doing. I, you, you shared a screenshot, and it's like Wyoming threw like the junkiest of a junk defense at Texas as humanly possible. Uh, what were your thoughts of that game uh, since you picked it? Yeah. I, it's, we're, we're in a weird place with Texas where it, you have to say, I mean, you know, I don't care how Alabama looked this week against uh, South Florida, going to Tuscaloosa, winning by double digits. I mean, you know, teams aren't, haven't done that. Now, this isn't a vintage Bama team, so, you know, but that's, that's all good. But so you have to kind of give Texas that as, in terms of like an achievement, right? But I still look at this team and it looks to me like they just have, they have a lot of problems on offense. I don't think they're running the ball well. Um, they're not partic- not particularly efficient. Um, and, you know, when it, one of the things that they were able to do against Bama was kind of, you know, 
catch Bama in a lot of like man-to-man coverage looks to where they could get one-on-ones with guys like uh, Mitchell and uh, Xavier Worthy down the field and just really let uh, Quinn Ewers kind of rip it down down the field for, for big plays. But when he's seen these, you know, like three high safety looks, like this is a pattern. It's not like a deal. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian said something effective, you know, Wyoming threw a defense at us that uh, they haven't done all year. Well, I mean, maybe so, but, you know, showing, you know, multiple multiple high safeties like that's not exactly an uncommon strategy against this team um and like i i'm just not seeing it with yours when he when he gets in those kinds of situations it's like he doesn't he's second guessing himself he doesn't maybe he doesn't see it well i just i think that texas has problems on offense and it really kind of reared its head against Wyoming with, you know, in a game where they made them just kind of execute over and over and over. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened with Lincoln Riley, uh, obviously with Oklahoma when teams started employing that kind of like that junk defense where it's like, listen, we know you want to throw the ball downfield too bad. <laughs> We're just going to drop full. We're dropping as many people way as far back there. And you're just going to have to be very patient and get really annoyed and walk through this stuff. Uh, and you know play very very efficient football and it's i think at this point in time i will probably have to end up, end up eating a lot of crow uh we're only uh, where we are right now we're not in the season not even halfway through uh but dylan gabriel is seeing that challenge like you saw at smu did to dylan gabriel and did to ou and they just said fine we'll just we'll play the long game you know it's like we'll just walk it we'll just walk through this if this is what you want to do we'll do it uh, and Dylan Gabriel's not taking the bait. He's not making bad throws. He's not forcing stuff. He's just taking what's giving and keeping OU on track. I mean, especially if you look at the efficiency numbers um, on that. But if you also look at Dylan Gabriel's uh, adjusted yards per attempt, he's like over 11 yards right now, which is completely elite, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, shows shows that OU's passing game has uh, fully developed itself through Dylan Gabriel's ability to helm the position. I think once this season started – Everyone and myself included had kind of written off Dylan Gabriel, and everyone, not me, was saying yours was like a first round quarterback NFL guy. And like you said, it's just not turning out that way at this point in time. And I don't know what Texas is going to do. Do you think? Do you, do you think from the stuff you've seen from these first three games? Do you think Oklahoma could or even would want to employ some of that? three high safety look that like Wyoming was playing against Texas and stuff during Red River. I know we're getting way ahead now. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to see what it looks like so far this year. Cause we haven't had that, that kind of situation. And frankly, I'm not sure if we will uh, before that game, but I mean, I'll leave, here are the numbers for Texas running the ball. Um, you know, look at their advanced stats. Rushing success rate is 39.5%. That's 98th nationally. Marginal explosiveness, 84th nationally. Opportunity rate, 83rd. Power success rate, 104. On standard downs, they are their success rate is ranks 102nd, 85th in efficiency. Um, you know they they're but they are explosive, right? So they're taking those opportunities on early downs to try to kind of hit big plays, but otherwise they're just not moving the ball well and and managing drives, you know. And, and you start and you start looking at red zone TD rate, fifty uh, percent. That's a hundred and fifth nationally. It's 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 just a it's a problem. And so I wonder if you feel like you can stop stop the run just playing a three man front. Why, if you're OU, you wouldn't throw a three high safety look at them and, and, you know, keep just keep everything in front of you. Enjoy great food and drinks at the original Norman Hotspot and its first cocktail bar. Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails is our choice for quality meals and drinks to enjoy the next time you're looking for a great night out. With locations in historic downtown Norman on Main Street and the Paseo Arts District in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma fans from all over the metro can enjoy Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails. Also, be sure to pick up or ask about Scratch's ready-made old-fashioned cocktail at your local wine and spirit store. Take the best Scratch concoction home to sit on your lounge and continue listening to this episode. Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails. Great food, drinks, and atmosphere. Yeah, and OU has been doing similar things of that. I think they've had some uh, alignments where you've had Bowman Key and um, 
uh, Bowens out there uh, or Pearson as well. And OU has been doing some of that stuff. Against SMU, they did it pretty damn well, too. Now, again, SMU versus Texas talent-wise is obviously a different course of action. But OU is allowing things to happen within the 5, 10, 15-yard region, and they're just swarming and tackling. <laughs> and if you could do that, you're going to be – again, I'm not going to make me – I think all of us had Oklahoma losing <laughs> in Red River in, in the off in the offseason before we kicked off. Uh, so I, I don't want to go into there, and we'll get closer to it. But, Matt – Get, just give me some straight hate on Texas, Wyoming. Uh, it is <laughs> Alan's giving us the breakdown, the logistics. Let, let's hear. Let's hear something good here. Uh, Quinn Ewers was eleven to twenty-one. God, he's bad. That's all that needs to be said, man. <laughs> eleven of twenty-one, dude. Come on, and it's still like it's still going to be. Yeah, he'll probably be the third quarterback taken, third or fourth. All that stuff in the NFL draft, and I just don't get it. I really don't, man. I don't know what he's done to deserve that. Like, Hey, yeah. Quinn Ewers is going to be a first round pick. He's not going to be a first or, you know, top five pick like Caleb or Drake may, but he'll be a, he'll be a top 20, 25 pick. I'm like, I, I don't know what he's done to deserve that other than be the quarterback at Texas. I really yeah. don't, man. He had a great win against Alabama, you know, threw it up to Xavier Worthy a couple of times. Like, they, he just goes through waves. I feel like, man, he just goes through waves of playing good. He's not consistent. So I, that that would be my my gripe with with Texas right now. Yeah, that's something I I think Texas may find themselves in a very interesting conversation. Is if he continues to play at this level, that to me would be a player that would return. Uh, does that run into anything or any sort of ascension plans they Texas uh, may already have for the uh, the you know the the best quarterback of all time recruit that they have sitting on the bench right now? Uh, what what happens there if he has to come back and sort of drama that that proceeds itself? But Matt, you'd pick the uh, another terrific oh, hate man. game, Oklahoma State versus uh, <laughs> a game that Allen really pointed out to all of us and said you need to watch this one <laughs> taking South Alabama. Uh, why did you pick this game? Is it just pure enjoyment watching Gundy squirm? Well, yeah, it, that and yeah, it's it's topical. It's on my mind. We, we interviewed Jacob Unruh today of the Oklahoma who covers Oklahoma State uh, for them, so it's on my it's fresh on my mind a little bit. And yeah, we get to we get to hit the the in state school. Uh, their offensive line is fucking terrible. It's so bad. They can't they can't do anything. I even like the first question I asked Jacob was, Hey, like three QB rotation. Like, is it going to stay? Like, what, what is, what is the deal with it? Where are you at on it? And he basically just kind of danced around it, but he, it, he said like, did I dance around that question enough for you guys? So like he knew he was dancing around it, man. It is not good. I, I'm at this point where I'm like, just play Gunner Gundy because that like he can actually run. And those other two guys can't really. So, like, if he's going to be just running for his life because the offensive line's so bad, you might as well have him back there. I don't think he's the best passer out of the three. I mean, I think – I still think they have some stuff with Rangel, but, like, he has been getting the least amount of work of the three and got the most work last year. So, I, I really don't know what they're doing. But if, if they – simply put, if they just – if they can't figure out their offensive line, they're not going to be able – to do anything. There's a reason why them versus Iowa state opened up at like 35 and a half for the over under, like just such a low number, man. And I've won some metaphorical dollars in our picks for the, for the radio the past two weeks, betting the under of Oklahoma state games. And it's been uh, working pretty well. And Vegas is on to me now. They, they shut that one down. Um, but dude, just like, like Elijah Collins at 31 yards rushing Jay Nixon, 22 or 23 Ollie Gordon, 12, like they, they cannot, they physically cannot run the football. It is mind boggling to me. They broke off a couple of big runs, but oh, what do you know? They were holding like they, they get, bring it right back. You're holding. It's so bad up there in Stillwater right now, man. And now that's not to take away like South Alabama is a good team. Like they were the kind of one of the trendy, like preseason group of five picks, like um, as far as like the the others receiving votes of the top twenty five, you know, whenever that came out preseason, and but they South Alabama looked faster than Oklahoma State. They looked more physical. It is not going well up there in Oklahoma State, and that's just 
a continued failure to adapt to college football in 2023. Yeah, there was a, I think it was, I can't remember who it was for the sellout crowd. Shout out to them who basically just said, yeah, the South Alabama team is just has more talent. No Oklahoma State does like that. Yeah. That's the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's just something that's wild. Uh, Alan, you're on this uh, big time last week and kind of really pointed it out to us. Uh, what did you see that caused you to have such uh, glory, glory uh, bathe yourself in glory today? Well, I don't know if I go so, so far as to say I'm bathing in glory, but uh, <laughs> no, man. Uh, what what I saw was that I mean Oklahoma State just stinks. They're just it's not a good team. Uh, you know, they've got they've got some pieces there on defense. It seems like, um, but just offensively, it's it's an absolute like just mess and obviously the the thing that is you know kind of uh grabbing headlines right now is the fact that they're playing three quarterbacks kind of like hockey line shifts but i think you know matt was getting that their offensive line is atrocious so like i don't know maybe they're maybe the reason they're playing three guys is so those three dudes can kind of share the uh, uh you know the uh the hits there right. <laughs> because man like it's really bad the penalties are bad there's just i don't know man it's mike gundy has had a fantastic career there for what oklahoma state needs he really in my opinion really has been an excellent coach but man, it just, this looks like his whole kind of like give a damn is just gone. You know what I mean? Like it, whatever it is, like the, that product is, it should not be acceptable to, uh, to anyone. No, it'll be interesting to see how long this lasts. Um, and also just how long this goes through. I've seen some people say that they don't think it's uh, the end of the, t- yeah, he, Gundy's lost his ability to coach. It's just that, he has more of a Dabo issue right now where he has refused to adjust to the current era of college football uh, with NIL and transfer portal and things of that nature. Uh, and that'll be something that we'll, we'll have to I don't know, keep track of, right, from that perspective. Uh, I, I picked the Florida State-Boston uh, College game. This is a game I was watching um, for a little while, and it looked like you know Boston College was very scrappy at the beginning, and then Florida State started separating. Uh, I left and then uh, tuned back in with uh, Boston College, just being idiots at the very end of the game when they had a chance uh, to you know to put put Florida State to bed. I, I think this shows. I, I don't know what one game is like, right? Where we talked about this stuff, you know, it, it's one game with within twelve games, but this showed me some stuff potentially of Florida State that potentially could be issues when we talk about teams that are efficient and teams that live and die on. Uh, uh, Bigger, stronger, you know, plays, um, and that's harder, hard to stop Florida State with the uh, uh, wide receivers they have of Bell, Wilson, and Coleman. But uh, I think uh, Boston College kept uh, kept Coleman from getting a single catch. He only had one rush or two yards. I mean, they it seems like they started from a defensive strategy to not allow him to get off, and that allowed them to continue and kind of keep scraping back into this game. Uh, Florida State's pass defense. Uh, get gets uh, lit up for 305 yards uh, touchdown. They did have a pick, and then um, Boston College is able to run on them for uh, a, a decent amount from that perspective. Uh, Thomas was able to pick up 95 yards. Um, is that their quarterback? Yeah, the quarterback was able to pick up 95 yards on 16 attempts. So I, I don't know what this means overall, but it does seem like, I guess maybe the overarching thing I was, I'm trying to bring apart for this is, I don't know if there's a team this year that you can point to to say, Yes, this is the team. They're going to more than likely win it. I just don't know if that's what's happening this year. Uh, Florida State seemed like they're trying to uh, raise up to that level, you know, beating LSU early in the way that they did. Um, but now they're kind of falling down. Texas beating Alabama, then they kind of mess around. Michigan playing a very, very bad football game. Ohio State's offense seems to have like a missing gear um, from their perspective. You know, Georgia just doesn't seem to be quite the same. Uh, Alan, do you think that's uh, maybe a, a fair prognoc, uh, a fair uh, classification of this 2023, or, or are we or are we just like waiting to see which team reveals itself as the team for this year? I mean, that's that's what I see. You know, it's 
it's like it's actually kind of goes back to the, what I was talking about with Texas, where they've got this one really good win. I mean, you could say the same thing mm-hmm. for Florida State. They've got this one really good win. But I mean, how many teams are have really brought it every week? I mean, Washington, I think you can yeah. say, I think you can say OU. Uh the rest, man, like I I don't know. I'm not seeing anybody else who's just out there just bombing bombing away on people, you know? I mean so like there's a chance that things will get get fairly muddy here as the season wears on um i think that lsu has a chance to actually kind of turn things around in the sense that i don't see a lot of offenses out there that are really going to test their secondary um the way florida state did that seems to be their their weakness but uh you know that's one team that kind of is uh, catch people's eye i guess you know notre dame has for the most part been pretty sharp um, and we'll find out more about them this weekend because uh, Ohio State is one team that's kind of kind of just scuttled along, but they look like they might have hit another gear over the weekend uh, the way they blew out Western Kentucky. Um, I kind of think they're going to uh, handle Indy this weekend, so we'll uh, you know we'll see we'll see with the Buckeyes there. They might be the team that ends up kind of emerging from all this. The Spirit Shop has been Norman's source for wine, beer, and spirits since 1976. We feature the biggest selection and best prices in town. Thousands of different wines, beers, spirits, and more. Live in Norman? We deliver all over town, every day, usually in under an hour. Let us bring the party to you. Go to our website and order online at www.thespiritshop.org or give us a call at 405 321 That's 405-321-3100. In from out of town for the game? Come see us at the corner of Main and Barry, just two miles east of I-35. Take the Main Street exit and browse thousands of fine wines and hard-to-find bourbon in store. That's wrapping up our our week three coverage. Uh, Alan already picked up a little bit on his week four pick, so we'll go back to that. But uh, before we go into the other games, I mean, week four, Oklahoma has a football game. Oklahoma plays Cincinnati and Queen City uh, traveling up there. Uh, hopefully the team doesn't, uh, you know, eat too much skyline and is able to perform well in this. Uh, this should be the first, uh, I mean, obviously it's a conference game now, which is weird to say, uh, but it should be the first real test that Oklahoma has to face when it comes to a strong defensive line. Uh, I'm not for sure Cincinnati has the uh, athletes on the edges and stuff to try to stop uh, Oklahoma on you know attacking them down the field i'm not a satterfield fan uh as their head coach i believe that's his name um louisville guy um you know i I really thought they would have fallen off a lot more than this i think i had cincinnati going six and six uh over the season because i thought that luke fickle brain drain and talent drain would have hit them a little bit harder than it has but they have played well i will not lie to you there they have played well uh it seems like i think ou is going to have to kind of go over the top I don't know if they're going to be able to run into the teeth of it as they've been trying to do against SMU and things of that nature. I think we're going to see a uh, a more wide open passing game, or at least uh, passing the playbook for the passing game will have to be opened up a little bit to kind of shake uh, Cincinnati loose from the uh, outside and from the inside, then going out to kind of spread the defense up a little bit. Um, but I, I'm just not for sure if he's going to be able to try to play the bully ball they've been trying to play on the ground that they have uh, up to this point. Uh, Matt, I mean, what are your thoughts on uh, Oklahoma going to Cincinnati for the opening of conference game on the road? 14 yeah, and a half point underdog, a 14 and a half point favorite. Sorry. Yeah. Brady, Brady pointed this out on our, our post game, but, um, you know, it's the team that lost to a group of five school the week before playing Oklahoma, like just like last year to open up conference yeah. play, right? You know, Kansas state loses to Tulane, which Tulane ends up being really good, but so does Kansas state. Um, and, you know, the, the similarities are, are pretty eerie. Uh, and I will, I will say though, like, yeah, I think Kansas state last year is way better than what the Cincinnati team is. Uh, that's not saying Cincinnati is not a good team. I, I think they're a pretty good team, but I, I think the thing that I'll be definitely watching is, Hey, you're probably going to have a true freshman at, at left guard. Now is, much upside and potential as, as we think he, he has, I mean, yeah, he's, he's going against a legit, like first team all American there and, and Dante Corleone. So like, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch kind of throwing the, uh, the true freshman to the wolves and see how he, you know, see how he handles it. Um, that I think 
Yeah, and just anyone on the interior line with that includes Rame and Matire and all that stuff going against him. That's going to be a huge test for a pretty decent question mark on this OU team. So um, if they can handle that test and, you know, just pass the test, I'm not saying you have to ace it. I'm not saying you have to get 100 on the test, but you got to pass it. Got to be able to move the football like that. But um, you know, I was just watching some highlights from the Miami of Ohio game. It looked like Miami of Ohio had some success throwing the ball deep. Uh, some plays um, stretching the field a little bit. So I, I'd expect, you know, Andre Anthony, those guys to have another big day uh, as well. So I don't know. I, I'm just, again, Brent said it in his pre uh, his media availability today. It's on the line of scrimmage, man, as it always is, but specifically this one as well, because this is probably the best defensive lineman they're going to face all year. Yeah, that that it's going to be interesting to see how OU is able to, you know, re- respond to that. Alan, what are your thoughts on this game coming here, Cincinnati, Oklahoma? You know, I think we've, I think all three of us will probably hit on the defensive line. Brent hit on the defensive line uh, in the press conference. It just, it just seems like it's an upgrade in talent uh, from what OU has faced. That said, SMU did did have does have a salty defensive line. They had some transfers coming in from Miami, some other places to kind of buff up that side, but obviously not the depth in what Cincinnati had from 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 that perspective. But what are your overall thoughts and maybe some things to think about for the uh, Cincinnati game? Yeah, this will be obviously a very good test for OU how they handle the uh, that on the interior. Um, but Cincinnati, I mean, this is a team that is giving up huge plays. And uh, that's one thing that we've talked about wanting to see OU, you know, take advantage of. I mean, you know, Rob Bauer, and it, it, it's kind of crazy to think of OU not as an explosive offense, but that's what he, and one of the things that he talked about was how much their explosive plays on offense, their big plays kind of fell off. Cincinnati gives up a lot of those. So, you know, let's see how well OU can take advantage of that, um, you know, for, uh, you know, because – it's a really Cincinnati is a very kind of big play oriented team on both sides of the ball. So uh, that's, that's mainly what I'm going to be watching for. Yeah. That'll be something that'll be interesting to see is this, uh, does this big play, you know, route continue that OU has been able to do um, in two of the games, you know, uh, SMU was able to kind of put, put over the top of them. Uh, I actually have a Chaz post on um, to record for the Friday's opponent preview. And that's something I'm going to ask about is uh what does he think Cincinnati needs to do? So if that's something you guys are, are wanting to look forward to, uh, keep an eye out on Friday. I'll have on a, a Cincinnati blogger to talk about this stuff. If you guys want to know anything about it, I mean, we had a guy on for the SMU game that said SMU D-lines won't give OU issues, and it did. And we had the same guy on for Tulsa, and he's like, they're just bad. OU's going to win by a lot, and they did. <laughs> so, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that if you're Patreon. If you're not, again, it's patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Uh, I think the thing here we need to watch out for, uh, we'll just use some S&P plus, SP plus uh, rankings here. I got to pull it up and made the animation before we started recording. Um, what are, What is Cincinnati? Cincinnati sitting at 69th on offense, nice, and then a 36th on defense. Again, it's predictive. doesn't mean uh, it's like their ranking, but their ratings predictively. Uh, OU, Cincinnati's offense should be something that gives OU a little bit of a test, but should allow them to potentially keep flexing your defensive uh, muscles and defense being the uh, 36 is I believe the uh, strongest defense they face to date uh, just across the board. Uh, is that right, Alan? Yeah, that'd be right. That'd be right. Okay. So that'll be interesting to see again. It's kind of a half team like oh, they're not playing, you know, the, the 23rd and the 45th. I mean, it's still some good on offense, bad on defense or, uh, or, or vice versa. So you uh, won't be playing against a full team until Texas. And that's something that will be kind of interesting uh, to see at that point in time. Uh, before we jump into the previews of the rest of the week four games, I did miss up on our show notes. Uh, the non-con is finished. Oklahoma is now 3-0. and We're about to enter a conference play. And I wanted to kind of ask Alan a question of what's what's different from this year to last year? I mean, OU was, had basically blown out some teams last year. They were 3-0. They had a very high-scoring differential. They were getting to the quarterback a, a hell of a lot more than they are now. Uh, but then things kind of really, really unraveled. To me, I see this as basically like a, a results versus a process type of uh, analogy. You got to look at it. The results last year are nice, but the process wasn't quite there. This year, you have a process that's more 
uh, foundational and more solid. And it's allowing OU to then reap those same benefits, uh, but it does seem a little more sustainable. I mean, what, from your perspective, you're tweeting some stuff out today. It's the reason why I want to ask, uh, do you see that can really show you maybe like in the guts of it, why this three, and O team is different than last year's three, and O team. And hopefully will make us all right in our, uh, win total predictions. Well, I think the the first thing is looking at the defensive side of the ball. You talk about uh, process versus results. One thing that this team is doing far better is tackling. It last year, I mean, even okay, I, I tried to kind of break things down at times, looking at first three games, right, using that as a sample size for both in both cases, and keeping in mind that essentially is for all the talk about how how uh, watered down OU schedule is this year. Really, SP Plus, uh, I mean, would suggest that the teams are the teams they're playing right now. There's really not much difference between them and uh, their their opponents from last year. I mean, last year at this time they were 103rd nationally in tackling success rate um, at 85.1 percent. They're up to 91.4 percent now, which is about 29th in the country now. Again, it could be better, but 29th compared to um, 103rd. You know, by the end of the year, OU was 116th in tackling. So, you know, the, I can I think that you know they'll play some better teams. That number might fall off some, but that's a real positive step in the right direction is tackling. Um, you know, and that's really kind of uh, I think bolstering their ability to stop the run. Uh, you know, because they're doing so well against the run this year. Uh, they're top 15 nationally in both success rate and explosiveness. Um, they're having a lot of success, I think, on early downs, first, second down, and putting making you know putting teams in uh, tougher conversion spots. Um, and as a result, one thing you're seeing is the three and outs that the that the defense is producing have gone way up from 28 percent uh, through three games, I believe, last year to 45 percent. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's again, just kind of, and I think a lot of that also goes back to the tackling, um, you know, avoiding those kinds of plays where, you know, you stop them at the line of scrimmage and they don't pick up that extra three or four yards afterwards. They're, they're stopped cold. Um, and with those three and outs being up, what you're seeing is the uh, number of plays on defense going way down uh, through, let's see, through three games last year, he was facing an average of 77 plays per game on defense. That's down to 67.3 this year. Now the new clock rules may have something to do with that, but, uh, I think though, that, you know, when you're producing more three and outs, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're stuffing those drives before they really get a chance to get going. Um, I think that's going to pay dividends in the long run too, because it means fewer plays that the defense is out there, a lot less wear and tear, particularly on the, uh, interior, and lastly, looking at the offense, what I think is the big difference is they're avoiding a lot of the negative plays. Um, you'd see it last year where OU, even though they had kind of a lot of explosiveness, they ran the ball well. They had that tendency on like first down. It drove me nuts last year. I talked about it incessantly. Dylan Gabriel taking sacks on first down, which pretty much ruins your, you know, your opportunity to convert. Um, they're not doing that, you know, last year, I think they ranked like a hundredth nationally in sack rate, 116 on sack rate on standard downs. Um, and the numbers really didn't look that different at the end of the year, but right now, I mean, they're sixth overall in sacks per drop back. They're first in sack rate on standard downs. They're first in blitz down success rate. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's doing a better job of getting the ball out and avoiding all those negative plays. Yeah, you talked about the tackling thing. That's something that just stands out to me more than anything because uh, I think Max Olson one was tweeting out the stop rate. Is that Oklahoma currently is fourth in the nation in stop rate, uh, it, which is just not where they were last year at any point in time. Uh, you know that just happens. If OU is becoming one of those really annoying teams that OU would play, like when Iowa State was really good or Kansas State was really good or TCU was really good, it was like, why are these guys just? they'd hit our players and our players would fall down <laughs> or they'd get to the ground. And it's like, make a move, break a tackle. We're so used to Oklahoma players just kind of throwing themselves out there. And like you said earlier, it, it reinforces what I mentioned earlier about Dylan Gabriel and that, uh, that comparison with the Texas quarterback, 
he's just making all the right plays. And it's maybe it's just maturity in the system or like he knows this is it or maybe he's, you know, he's seeing the matrix. He's starting to believe <laughs> there's just something uh, from that perspective. Uh, I would also just say, if you really want to look at it uh, beyond just a tackling thing, is that the the coverage busts are just way, way down. I mean, uh, you know, way against down against SMU uh, the only time they uh, had an article about that where SMU had seven plays of 15 yards or more six of those were pass plays and they basically all happened the moment uh, the moment Williams went out and they picked on uh, uh, Connie Walker the entire time and it's like well that happens and then uh, Tulsa there's one bust I believe just right off my head there's a, f- a freshman corner who got confused because the running back leaked and leaked out of the backfield and he thought he had safety help and then you know, it's it, it, you just you can just see them like individual things instead of every single play. There's somebody open. <laughs> it just it just doesn't seem to be working. It just it's just not operating that way anymore. The the system seems to be much much more in place. Um, and you know, I guess I guess to give credit where it's due for Brent Venables, as of right now, the defense is world's difference uh, than it was last year. And I think that's been the, the biggest play on that. Matt, do you have anything to add on that? Like where OU was in the last year versus this year in the same record? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with Alan. I mean, tackling is – that's – I feel like that's all that I've wanted to see from Oklahoma is like, hey, just get a, get the guy down. If it's a five-yard gain, it's a five-yard gain. That's that's fine. But every broken tackle, it's hey, a five-yard – how many times did we see a five-yard gain turn into a 15- or 20-yard gain? Because they break a tackle, guys aren't swarming, swarming to the football, like – it just it looks a lot different um, in that respect on defense, uh, and then like I like I said earlier, this is my main thing against Arkansas State, and then now Tulsa as well is they're just beating the shit out of people they're supposed to beat the shit out of. They're not, you know, Gavin Hardison from UTEP isn't throwing like looking great. All of a sudden you're like, oh wow, like is UTEP like a great team? All of a sudden, like what is happening? Uh, that Kent State, I mean, like scoring like basically. Go, basically going into halftime tied until the very end of, of the first half. Like that stuff, those kind of like, okay, yeah, they're winning and the score looks good, but it didn't feel like it, you know, you know what I mean? So this, this actually just feels like it. They're, they're not only does it look like it, it feels like it too. They're beating the shit out of people that they're supposed to be the shit out of. And I, I think to me, that's just the biggest thing. I'm like, okay, that looks like, this looks like an Oklahoma non-conference slate. Yeah, and like one of the things that you know you read as well. I mean, Oklahoma looks good right now because they're ramped to score on these teams, you know, that are overmatched and everything. Which, I mean, I guess. But the thing is, is that you know, I mean, we're talking about like OU's gone out to, you know, twenty-eight or leads in the first quarter. Like that's not a matter of just leaving your starters and to pile pile up stats. I mean they're just hammering teams from the jump and not letting up. Like it's, it's, it's not a case of just compiling, you know, I mean, and on top of that, like, if you think about it, like I was looking at, you know, Bill Conley's definition of garbage time. I mean, OU was entered garbage time in against Arkansas state, like halfway through the second quarter. So, I mean, you know, the two and a half quarters, like they were, it was, the game was, or, or they were playing out the string, you know, I mean, against Tulsa, it was uh, like middle of the third quarter. Um, but again, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's just not a case where, you know, they're, they're letting teams hang around or they're, you know, keeping the starters in to run things up. I mean, that's really not what's happening. Yeah. That seems to be the case there. OU just has in my just personal opinion, if we're going to sum it all up has matured in the systems that Brent Venables and the culture that he wanted to instill, you know, last year when he said he'd tear it down to the studs, he meant it. And now this is what happens when you allow that to happen. You're not chasing wins. You're building out programs which can sustain the churn of talent. Uh, it seems to be OU's on the right track so far. Uh, speaking of the rest of the uh, week four matchups that we picked, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, spoiler alert. We're recording this a little bit later. Uh, we got Ahsoka to watch in this household. I don't know if you guys celebrate the Lord like I do, uh, but <laughs> so we'll walk through uh, our week four stuff. I have TCU SMU. It's a game I picked out. The reason why I picked it out is because it's a rivalry. Iron skillet is one of the coolest trophies that uh, it's in college football. In my opinion, uh, it's somewhat local to my area and TCU are being a bunch of little cowards by <laughs> uh, temporarily uh, 
postponing or, or putting the rivalry on hold for a little while uh, as they try to separate themselves from SMU, who was at that point in time just a G5. Now next year they'll be part of a Power 5 conference, so I wonder if that changes things. Uh, I think you really want to see this just basically – uh, you know, uh, Rob mentioned, uh, sorry, Alan already mentioned Rob before using the, the beta rank kind of style here. This gives you a nice little tendril for OU looking into the future. It's a team OU has played versus a team OU will play. And then you'll be able to potentially make some uh, comparative stuff uh, from that point in time and seeing how maybe TCU is going to attack SMU and how SMU tries to defend TCU. And you can kind of see. Uh, some of that stuff. Now, you don't want to have it just a one-to-one. Obviously, uh, that never quite works, but it's always an interesting data point. Um, one, I love watching college football rivalries, and two, you know, we've seen SMU. I remember we kind of watched Tulane against Ole Miss, uh, hoping they would be good against Ole Miss that one year, and then Ole Miss ran them off the field, and then we realized, oh, maybe this OU team isn't quite where it all turned out to be. So uh, keep an eye on that one. Alan, you've got Notre Dame, Ohio State. You've talked about it a little bit. This is Obviously, the big game of the, of the week that there's probably more, but this is a big game here. Uh, Notre Dame has this probably circled with them and Clemson, I believe. So um, this is like it for Notre Dame, right? Don't they have like a three-game season, basically? Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. Uh, USC. So this is game, week one, basically, for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they'll... <laughs> If being Notre Dame, they'll find a way, I'm sure, to to work themselves into a game with one of their, you oh, know, sure. kind of, you know, lower, not exactly a high profile game, but I mean, this is this Notre Dame team where they're playing. They've got the quarterback with Hartman there. Uh, you know, this is kind of one of those situations where really, like, if not now, kind of win for them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, that being said, they're still a three point dog, and I mean, I still think. I still think Ohio state's going to win this game because it strikes me that like as good as ND is running the ball, as good as they are, they have a good offensive line. I don't think they have, uh, they just, they always seem to be short, like one or two game breakers, you know, that uh, a team like Ohio state's going to have there at the skill spots. So I like the, I like the Buckeyes to win here and, and cover the three, um, but you know, I mean, it's, it's Notre Dame, like they, you know, they might wake up the echoes, pull off the upset and, uh, you know, really, uh, kind of propel themselves to a magic year. Wow. Look at you. Right. Wow. Okay. Full solid. Well, I just guy. totally hedged. I mean, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. but still, uh, I think there's some stuff there. Uh, I don't have a, a full I don't know. I, I've been. I haven't even watched a single second of Ohio State this year. They just seemed kind of strange uh, in, in, in from this perspective. And Michigan also hasn't found their footing as well. Uh, then Notre Dame had the one high-profile game. But Matt, who have you got for Week Four? Uh, I got Ole Miss and Bama, just because Ooh. the. You trying to see if the funeral's real? I'm trying to see if. Well, one, there's just so many storylines. One, uh, Jalen Milrow is starting again for Alabama after them just being like, we're going to play anybody, but Jalen Milrow against Florida. And now it's back to like, okay, no, we're back. We're back to you actually. And also, I mean, do you think Nick Saban hates anybody more than he hates Lane Kiffin? Like, dude, <laughs> him's basically coming out and saying that Kevin Steele's not actually their defensive coordinator anymore. Like he's, he's not calling plays. Like also just an all time troll job by Lane Kiffin. And Nick Saban has to come out and be like, yeah, no, he is our defensive coordinator. Like all this stuff, just, just the fact that he had to like answer that question, you know, that he just hates Lane Kiffin's guts. Uh, I'm just, I'm all in for any time it's Lane versus Saban. Uh, Yeah. And this might, I mean, I don't think Lane has a team to maybe take it all the way to Saban this year, but if Saban is gettable, this year does seem to be the year. Uh, I did mention that, uh, I mean, sorry, I forgot to, to give us a score prediction. So we'll do that and we'll sign off and everything Uh, for the Cincinnati Oklahoma game, our official score predictions for the official keyhole podcast. Uh, Brady uh, remoted his in after he was blocked from the podcast from uh, the USC media office. Uh, I didn't allow him to be on the podcast. Uh, uh, Brady uh, sent us an electronic message uh, from his captors. Uh, He has 4820 Oklahoma in and covering uh, double spread. Uh, I do not have that same confidence, but I have Oklahoma 38, 
uh, Cincinnati 20 uh, covering the 14 and a half. That's a number I've been looking at. I don't know if you've got a different one that you're looking at or via your power ratings from that perspective. Uh, but Alan, uh, what do you think uh, score prediction for Oklahoma Cincinnati? Oh, I'll say something like 31-20. I think it's a pretty low-scoring game. Uh, you know, one thing that would have me concerned is, you know, with the interior of uh, Cincinnati's defensive line, you can, you know, if they get a good shot on Gabriel, there's an opportunity made for a defensive score there. But I do think Oklahoma wins, and but I don't, I don't have them covering, and I think it stays below the uh, total of 57 and a half. 57 and a half. Okay. Yeah. So I have them at 38. So I have them just right at a half point above. Uh, Matt, yeah, I, was, prediction, I was kind of around you guys. I was right around you guys. I was at 35 20. So I kind of split the difference with, with both you guys there. But yeah, no, that's, that's what I think. All right. So everyone has OU winning. Uh, three of us have OU covering. Alan does not keep the faith. Um, as, as he's taking the points there for Cincinnati uh, and the under. So if you're looking for official betting advice, don't follow any of us. But we do have picks trying to suck on Wednesdays, which Alan does, either a write-up or a podcast uh, format. Yeah, one of us was 5-0 and o last week with our, our picks against the spread. So Oh, wow. Hey. Look at you. Oh, <laughs> in the money is what they call that. Um, I believe I also gave you a couple of money line dog winners, right? Mizzou. Yes, you uh, did. And, you did. Uh, South Alabama. You did. You know what's up. He knows the game. Uh, if So if you want to check that out, again, patreon.com slash through the keyhole. That will be out on Wednesday. Uh, we'll also have the film review out on Wednesday as well. That will be uh, detailing Oklahoma's um, deep ball situation against Tulsa. They threw the ball deep, and they do it often, and it connected. I'll have that up. I promise I will uh, make the gifts uh, web optimized this time. Uh, so that'll make it a little easier for everyone to kind of follow along. I will also say the film I was using was very juddery to begin with. So that was help. That probably didn't help anything. Uh, but thank you, Vanessa House, for sponsoring us for our title sponsor. Uh, thank you, Spirit uh, Shop, for being our deliverables for everything that we need to have. And thank you, uh, Scratch Kitchen, Kitchen and Cocktails and Norman, for, uh, for everything that you guys do. Uh, for myself, for Brady, for Alan, for Matt, for everyone under the sun. Boomer! Sir.